Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me this afternoon, I've got with me uh, someone a little new. Uh, we've got a tarot reader uh, joining me, and I don't really know too much about uh, the, the art of tarot reading, so uh, I'm excited to talk to her about uh, her passion, her, uh, her creative process, and uh, why she does what she does. Um, Emily Hall, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. So, um, I have been reading tarot since 1996. My mom gave me my first back when I was 14 years old. And um, I started out kind of as a teenager reading for my friends on their love situations. And um, I would watch videos of Miss Cleo on TV. Because <laughs> um, back then, you know, Miss Cleo was the big psychic, you know. Yeah. And I have a dream of someday becoming a psychic hotline psychic like Miss Cleo and just working from home and giving tarot readings. And um, so that's what I found myself doing during the pandemic. Um, for a while, I was fully independent with my business doing in-person readings from my studio and at various local area places like Sparrow Collective or... Um, like I read at their opening and um, I also read a lot at Shakers, which is the fifth most haunted bar in the entire nation. And I would hold seances there. Um, but I haven't been reading in public due to the pandemic to move my business all online and all, you know, remote. So in doing that, I applied for some psychic hotlines and so now I'm like Miss Cleo. <laughs> like my teenage dream <laughs> yeah sure well um i'm excited to talk about all of that so to start um so what i guess for those that don't know what exactly is tarot reading so tarot cards are actually pretty old back in the italian um renaissance period they were used by the italian nobility as kind of like a divination game and they're based on playing cards. So similar to a playing card deck, it has kings, queens, knights, and pages, which is a little different from the king, queen, jack, um, but it's based around the same structure. And actually it's, it's like a playing card deck, except it has the addition of major arcana. So major arcana are these major archetypes or experiences that everybody goes through throughout their life. So you've got the fool beginning, you know, new beginning, sort of like the child spirit, the, the new start all the way through the world, which is like enlightenment. And throughout that, the fool card is sort of the protagonist of the journey and they go through different experiences on their way to reaching enlightenment with the world. So they go through the lovers, they go through meeting their spiritual mother, their spiritual father. The fool goes through meeting, um, you know, getting their first job. They go through learning self-control. They go through all of these different, like death, you know, some of the darker cards like death and the devil that you don't like to see are actually positive in some ways in that um you know death sometimes is the ending of something you want to end or sometimes the devil if it's reversed it's breaking an addiction so there's there's all kinds of different ways that the cards can combine and create these stories that i tell people about their experiences and lives and i've even used the tarot in past life readings to tell a story about someone's past life experience um, so it's sort of like an archetypal journey that this person goes on and you start out and the fool is the protagonist and then they, it's like a choose your own adventure in a way. Mm. Okay, sure. So, um, and then the, 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 the journey just kind of gets, um, it moves forward based on the other cards or like, how does it, how I guess does the journey continue on? Well, how you do it is each card is a separate story and then you shuffle the deck together and you okay. pick randomly by intuition what cards are going to go together. So based on what you know about the meanings of the cards, you can tell a story for someone about their life 
based on the combination. So I use it a lot in my writing and my poetry. I have a friend that's actually writing an epic fantasy novel based around the tarot. So when he's like trying to come up with a new concept for a character, he'll pull a random tarot card and or, or a random, um, you know, sort of collection of tarot cards about how the story's going to go. Because if you know the meanings of the cards, then you can kind of tell a story with them. And I really, in my work, I like to focus on how our lives are really stories that we're telling ourselves and how we can tell better stories to ourselves to create the kind of lives we want and that we have free will and that we have agency. A lot of tarot readers go based on destiny. Oh, this is bound to happen. What day will it happen? When will it happen? But for me, I focus a lot more on free will. I focus a lot more on the story that we're telling ourselves and how we can step in as this protagonist, as this fool, and change the narrative. I see. I like that. That's, um, I mean, that, that does, it sounds like it gives like a sense of control to whoever's journey you are uh, sharing here. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the psychic hotlines that I work for is called Everclear, and they really do focus more less on the fortune telling aspect which i can do i know how to fortune tell i know how to read for timing i know how to read for um you know predictions and future predictions but what i like about everclear the app that i'm on is that they don't focus so much on that and a lot of like i'm in this um advisor group that they have for the advisors and a lot of the other advisors are a lot like me where they focus on agency or they focus on, you know, changing the narrative rather than prediction. Um, so I know how to predict, like that's how I learned, that's where I started out and I can do it and I do find myself doing it sometimes. But my real love and focus with the work is actually on the storytelling. Sure, totally. So you've been doing it for, you said, like over almost 25 years, 1996? 1996, when I was 14, my mom gave me my very first tarot deck, the Morgan Greer tarot. It was a very 70s deck. Um, you know, it's, it's a classic deck that's very, um, you know, flowers in their hair. They look very 1970s. Um, yes. And since then, I um, have become more of a collector of the more modern decks that have a lot more representation in them. So um, decks that have you know, people of color, decks that have, you know, different um, relationship representations. Like, for example, in one deck that I work with, the Star Spinner Tarot, there's three lovers cards. There's two men or and um, two women, and then there's a man and a woman, and there's even some queer interpretation whether some of the people within the cards could be trans. You oh, know, sure. It's, it's um, a wonderful deck if you're looking for queer representation. And um, a lot of the people, like being LGBT myself, I'm bisexual, I have a special focus with reading for LGBT people. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so like, um, what, are pe what are reactions that people get when you read them typically? I'm sure it like varies, but like, what, yeah, I'm interested to hear how people react to like their uh, tarot reading. Um. You know, I have a lot of good reviews. I actually have a whole album on, on my Facebook um, and on my page of like good reviews that I've been getting. And, um, you know, sometimes people do react like they want that destiny reading. So I'll do that for them if that's what they request. But I really do focus more on storytelling if I can. And, um, you know, sometimes people have reacted like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I, um, I really feel like I've seen something about myself that I didn't know, or I feel like I have more control and power over my life now. Um, so it can be like a kind of therapy that isn't licensed <laughs> or um, in any way, like kind of like uh, backed up by the dominant society that's affordable, affordable for people, you know? Um, Cause like a lot of us can't afford to go to therapy or don't have insurance in this modern American hellscape we're living through. So I, I find a lot of people come to a tarot reader for mental health help. 
Um, and although I'm not licensed in any way with mental health, I do read and study on psychology. Um, I'm very into the work of Carl Jung. So a lot of his work on dreams and um, archetypes. He even like wrote a little bit about the tarot in some of his work. And I follow a Jung page with like quotes and different things from his books. Um, I have yet to like dive into a full Carl Jung book, but um, I do read a lot of like um, stuff by the tarot lady. So I'm reading Tarot for Troubled Times right now, which is all about shadow work, which is something that Jung talks about where you confront your shadow, you confront your inner darkness and you work with it in a way that um, actually allows you to get to know yourself on a deeper level and know your triggers and know what, what is going to cause you to react in a way that might cause um, conflict, you know? So it helps you figure out when the conflict that you're wanting to stand up to is worth standing up to, you know? And um, it also helps you figure out more about yourself, more about your dreams. You know, if you're having recurring nightmares, it might be a part of your shadow. And um, something I've been really studying lately is, um, this book called Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott, PhD, that goes into ways of actually working with your shadow to create like this sort of like kink relationship with it in that like your shadow can like give you the sexual power to release a lot of things. So it's really wonderful. Um, and right now I'm reading this, this chapter on um, this inner sadistic voice that a lot of us have this inner voice that tells us over and over again that we're not good enough, this voice that gives us this imposter syndrome that no matter what we've accomplished, it's not good enough or it wasn't us that did it. Um, and not resisting that inner sadistic voice, but actually um, sort of giving into it and asking it questions instead of resisting it. Um, so like your inner voice tells you, oh, you're fat and ugly. And you say, well, by whose standards, you know, who says that being fat is a bad thing, you know, so speaking back to this, this inner voice, instead of like trying to chant over it with positive affirmations, um, is really something I've kind of worked on, because positive affirmations do work, but you can't really like eradicate this inner sadistic voice within you, so you have to kind of ask it questions and have a dialogue with it oh, yeah. without resisting it. And I'm really interested in that kind of work within my work. Yeah, yeah, the toxic positivity. I've been seeing more conversations about that um, where, yeah, you can't just like mindlessly have, you know, like in terms of endearment, like, band-aiding over things like trauma or things like triggers and mm -hmm. yeah and that is a really important part of therapy and a, an important part of yeah like digging into your psyche and and like you said really like you know engaging your shadow rather than suppressing it um so yeah no that's that that is all really interesting stuff and i'm eager to you know keep learning about this process. So um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you like you have you, you have um, you do readings about like things like past lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in that because I was actually read one time by a medium about four years ago. And uh, she said she sensed like I have a big soul and that I was like some sort of like leader um in a previous life like i had some mm -hmm. sort of like big like grand presence like in a in a past life and i it's like i feel like i forgot about that that reading for a while but lately like but then like you know recently like i remembered it and reflect on it and i'm interested to see like how that works like how you can read into a past life um, so when I do past life readings, at first I had like a past life deck that would have different archetypes that someone might have lived through, but then I realized that I would rather just go for my intuition and pull from, you know, this place within me. You know how Jung talks about the collective unconscious, this place where all the stories of the world that anyone has ever lived through are kind of 
interconnected together so you can like tap into that through a reading and pull up a story someone may have lived um, that might actually have relevance to their current life and tell it in a way that um, real, it makes them realize that they're free, that makes them realize that they can um, step out of negative experiences that keep happening to them because they have power over their karma. So, um, you know, like a, a lot of my work on Everclear, the, the app I was telling you about, I focus on past life work on there and I wish I would get more calls about it, but I do because I put it in my profile that I focus on that. I do get a lot of calls about that. And so I just like kind of go within myself and like kind of descend down into the collective unconscious and bring up these stories and visions that I have of what someone might have lived, especially in terms of like a question they may have about why do I keep getting attracted to toxic people? Where does that stem from? You know, I had a great childhood. My parents were awesome. Why am I continuing to live out this life of being attracted to toxic people? Or why did I choose the parents that I chose? You know, because I, I believe we choose our family before birth. Mm -hmm. So why, what lesson was I trying to learn from these parents that I chose? You know what I mean? Why did I experience so much trauma? And I don't believe it's necessarily our fault or we chose to experience trauma. However, um, we might have chose, you know, our, our parents because we had, you know, karma with them from a past existence. You know, maybe our parents were, you know, related to us in some way in these past existences. So, you know, we're, we're looking to still fulfill these relationships and make them healthier throughout our incarnation. So, like, I really focus on how people can shift and change relationships to make them healthier um, through, you know, realizing that this lifetime they have a choice. You know, maybe they experienced trauma in a past life, but this lifetime you, you can choose. You can decide um, how to move through. There's some pretty uh, intense stuff right there. Um, I, yeah, like dreams are something that I'm very, like, I'm inspired by them. But I think I'm also like, I'm kind of petrified of them. Like, I mean, we were talking about imposter syndrome earlier and that's an insidious thing for me. Like it's, it's, it, it's part of my existence. I feel is constantly like feeling like I'm not doing enough ever and feel also feeling like I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm doing these things like because it makes me feel good about myself, you know, that it's right. it's an inherently selfish act to do something for somebody else or to do something that makes me feel good. Like it's an inherently selfish thing. And um, so I recently, this is kind of a recent thing, but I did start keeping a dream journal. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know, because, like, I feel like sometimes I just, maybe it's, I mean, I'm on antidepressants, and I think that's a, that, that is a factor. I do. Yeah. yeah. And so, I didn't really used to remember my dreams too often um, before I was on meds, but since being on them, like, it's my, my dreams got a ton more vivid. And um, recently, like, I just... Sometimes I just get really interested in just the fragmented, surreal, eerie, and just otherwise like jumbled nature of my dreams to the point where like, I think it would be cool to like write them down and turn them into some idea for something in the future. Cause mm -hmm. like, I don't know, cause like, you know, a lot of times you forget your dreams within a day so I try to like write down what I experienced in my dreams. Cause like I used to just, there were times where like I'd wake up and, and this still happens where like I'll have a dream that's where I'll have like, cause I have a really, really deeply, deeply seated fear of abandonment. Um, 
And a lot of times I have dreams about things like avoidance or dreams mm. about, you know, feeling on the verge of uh, catastrophe happening and uh, I'll wake up like petrified or I'll wake up in cold sweats, you know, like, and uh, either that or like some that or like I'll dream of like really obscure imagery from like my surroundings of me growing up what you know when I was little like in my childhood home and dreams are just such a really like visceral part of who you are and like what really unconsciously like terrifies you but also sort of like it can also be they can also be depictions of like you know what you like ultimately are hiding from yourself mm-hmm. what, what your shadow yeah dreams, yeah, like, yeah in your dreams you really confront your shadow yeah yeah so rep so kind of like documenting that is sort of like this new experiment i'm doing to like maybe try to slowly start confronting that shadow right and i think um you know, like I was saying before about this, like, I think you should really read this existential cake book by Karen Elliott, PhD, if that's what you're doing. Because, um, you know, she kind of like gives you a prescription for working with the shadow in a way that isn't necessarily confrontative, but is more holistic. So you're like cooperating with your shadow. You know what I mean? Or you're having a dialogue with your shadow not like confronting it and trying to like overcome it, but more accepting it as just like a part of you. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause we all have a shadow. A lot of modern spiritual work is focused on eradicating the shadow, confronting the shadow, overcoming the shadow. What I try to do in my work is dialogue with the shadow. Yeah. Um, talk to the shadow like ask it why it's there so where does the abandonment fear stem from what trauma does that and often our shadow stems from trauma so um you know where does that abandonment fear that haunts you so much come from is is it trauma is it is it a terrible experience you had when you were too young and helpless to understand what was happening to you you know so through working with the shadow, we can actually have compassion for the trauma that it stemmed from. Yeah. Yeah. And I am kind of in the process of like, you know, unpacking that with my therapist right now. Like mm-hmm. we recently sort of opened up a can of worms about like something I had been, um, you know, shutting out for most of my life. Um, you know, something that I feel like still, still there's some truth to it to this day. Um, and it has to do with a relationship to one of my family members. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like, you're, there's definitely truth to like what you said about, there's always the depictions of overcoming the shadow. You know, like everyone likes Stranger Things, the show. And there's a lot of like just this vanquishing of this demonic presence and something and stuff. But it never truly goes away. There's always some way it seeps back into, you know, the, the, the present world that, right. the, that the cast is in. And like, and that's the thing is like- And it makes a great story, like the hero vanquishing the shadow, but it's a very Christian thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The saint vanquishing yeah. the heathens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus hell, maybe, Maybe Satan had a point. Maybe God was prideful. You know, he had to make his own place. You know what I mean? Or um, maybe like the the uncontacted tribe did not want to be contacted by the Christian missionaries. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, like, and that's that sort of is this like ultimate. Um, juxtaposition of what we love and what we fear and that's exactly what this show is kind of about ultimately is like 
that's why I ask the questions I ask at the end of the day or at the end of the episode is what keeps you up at night? What puts you to sleep? You know, what, what do you draw? Like, what do you draw like anxiety slash angst slash um, apprehension from? But what also do you, what, what brings you to the, the peace, you know? And it's a, it's a very spiritual exploration and one that, so you've been exploring the shadow on the show already for quite some time. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess maybe not with that exact language, but I think that's a good way to put it, you know, like where you could say that, yeah, I sure have. Like, you know, I think that, especially when you relate, when you relate to others and have like a positive interpersonal experience with somebody, talking about their story and like, you know, what they've been through and like why they do what they do. Like it does, it brings that perspective to like how you use creativity or expression or advocacy based on your own things you've experienced in your life, you know, your own traumas or beauties or, you know, things that, just made you that changed your life and made you find yourself through it yeah one of the um spreads that i like to do um i call it the low down dirty devil deal so i'll shuffle my cards and then i'll find the two cards in the deck that surround the devil card which is the card nobody likes to see that's your shadow you know that's where you're addicted that's where you're wounded um and then those two those two cards surrounding the devil I'll use to tell someone a fairy tale story. Um, so I'll write a fairy tale because you know Jung talks a lot about the fairy tales, or, you know the way they are actually the way our subconscious works. So I'll, I'll write a fairy tale about the two cards surrounding the devil and why that shadow is there. Um, and these have been really transformative for people. And I've actually had like spirits come through. Um, you know, like somebody's dead father came through in one of them. There's a review up on my page that her dead father came through in one of these fairy tales. So, you know, they, they're very transformative. Spirits come through in them. They're very um, magical. And it's all because we're dialoguing with the shadow. And that's how our power is released, instead of trying to confront it. Um, yeah, that's, it sounds like a much less like grueling there's a reason why like horror movies feature so much supernatural and like paranormal oh, i love horror movies me too me too i love the dark old like grimm's fairy tales i used to be a waldorf teacher before i was a tarot reader with my own business and um i studied a lot about the fairy tales which is kind of where my work with the fairy tale tarot stories comes from yeah that's cool i i'm a big fan as well and i think one, and you might relate to this too. Like, I think one of the reasons why I like horror movies so much is because I feel like I've lived my life in fear so much that mm -hmm. it gives me some. You know, Michael Myers is not going to abandon you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's here to stay. He's here to stay. <laughs> yeah, and like, I feel like I um, I feel like I just connect with that, whether it's the suspense or just the, you know, the sense of eeriness or just that, um, the, the tension that comes with like, you know, what you enjoy out of a horror movie. I think I've just related a lot of those feelings just so much just in my life throughout experiences that, you know, may have traumatized me or may have like made me, that have, formed triggers of mine you know like it gives me a sense of closure with it you know because like right because it's on a screen you know you kind of know how the story is going to play out beforehand so you know what to expect from the horror movie trope you know it's it's comforting in a way kind of the way a fairy tale is comforting you know what i mean yeah yeah and it's because it's like you know it's it's fictional and uh, it allows you to like it validates you in that way where you're like, you know, it's, this isn't real. This isn't actually happening. It's merely just a depiction of an idea right. or of real or of realistic feelings. 
Right. Or some of those horror movies are based around like actual serial killers. Um, yeah. You know, so it kind of brings in that. And the scariest horror movies, I think, are the ones that are based on like real, real events. What um, are your, what, so that being said, what are some of your favorites? My favorites? Um, I like Rob Zombie's horror movies. I like the, um, the Firefly Family trilogy. Um, I I don't know why. I just I kind of like the idea of this crazy serial killer family living out on the edge of nowhere and drawing in like <laughs> vulnerable college students. Yeah. They're crazy. It's um, horror house, and I love how campy it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of um, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. It's so campy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think my favorites are like, um, I like found footage a lot. Um, so like, I really like the Blair Witch Project. I like that one too. Yeah. Where uh, like young college students go and like get themselves in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always like movies like that. I always, um, I really like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, Have you ever seen Thanks Killing? I love like really funny horror movies. No, I haven't seen that one. Thanks Killing is like a killer turkey. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it's like the whole thing is made to be like hilarious. (laughs) The killer is this turkey. (laughs) That's pretty rad. (laughs) I love bad horror movies, like really bad. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen Tusk? No, but I've heard it's good. It's... I don't even know if it's good. Tusk is one of the most like emotionally confusing movies because it's so horrifying. Like it's a body horror and it's like so horrifying on one end, but it's also like really funny and like just goofy. Like at the other, like it changes tones so much. Like there's this crazy horror like absolute like gruesome horror going on but then there's a subplot that features Johnny Depp as a French Canadian detective <laughs> and it's and he's just so goofy at this and it's I remember like it was pretty haunting when I saw it but it's also like looking back it's kind of funny I don't know yeah this movie's like the, another one is Border I don't know if you've heard of that one Mm-mm. that one's like a Norwegian folklore movie that came out like I think two years ago it's on Hulu um about like um this woman who's like she's like she can sense fear on people like she can smell fear and uh, yeah it's just really really it's very like it's a lot of allegories and stuff like that but I could talk about horror movies all day <laughs> I I feel like I've lived through some horror stuff like historical horror stuff having worked at Shakers because it was a brothel and speakeasy in the 1920s back in a time period when things were not politically correct they were very dark um and these women lived intense lives and you know holding seances in the room where they would have their um back alley abortions (laughs) um and the first seance I ever held was in that room where the doctor would come once a month and like take care of all the unwanted babies. Um, and it was for these metalheads. So it was podcasted live. I had never done a seance before. This was my first ever seance. It was podcasted live by these really skeptical metalheads who challenged me on everything. And somehow I managed to impress them so much with this seance that was my first one ever that um, they didn't believe I didn't know the other seance attendees before that night because I had never met anybody in that room before that night. And they were like, oh, those are her regular clients. She knows all those things about them already. But I was like, no, I had I'd never met them. You know, so I was actually on the Murder Metal Mayhem podcast for my first ever seance and Shaker is like you know it's it's historically one of the five most haunted bars in the nation and there has there have been murders there there are bodies in the wall it was built on a cemetery 
So that kind of like went along with my interest in horror movies and like the dark side of things. Um, you know, working there for a while. Yeah, so now, Shakers nowadays, like what's it like in there? Um, well, Bob's open, you know, he's um, definitely open for business right now, but I don't feel safe like reading at a bar yet. I'm not even seeing, I, I don't see clients in person. Like the only way I'll see a client in person is if we meet at the beer garden by my house in mass um, outside. You know, I, my studio is not even open yet and I'm taking on studio mates who are doing like art and different like meditation circles and stuff there. Um, so that I have, like, I can share the rent through COVID so I don't lose my studio, you know, so I'm, I'm doing, like, all online stuff right now, so, um, but I do miss it, like, Bob wants me to come visit, um, so. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's haunted, but I didn't know it was that haunted. Yeah, it, it's on the history, it, I think the History Channel came through and did a show there, um, it's been on Netflix for Dark Tours, that was very controversial. Um, you know, it, it, it can be a controversial place because a lot of Jeffrey Dahmer, the, the Jeffrey Dahmer is put on their ghost tour and, you know, his victims are still alive in the city. So a lot of people feel like it's exploitative of his victims, which I, you know, I definitely see and understand that side of things. Um, but as a tarot reader, you know, this is like one of the few places in town that you know, hires tarot readers. So, you know, I, um, you know, I've worked there and I have a relationship with them, but they're not the most politically correct of places. Like historically, Bob always says we're not the most politically correct of places. You know, he talks about like, you know, non-politically correct stuff. He's more conservative, whereas I'm a lot more liberal um, or even anarchist in my views. <laughs> So <laughs> that was interest. That was definitely an interesting dichotomy. Um, yeah. You know, and we've become friends despite our differences. So it, it it's really um, you know an interesting dichotomy to work at as like a, a anarchist leaning tarot reader <laughs> at a very conservative cop bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? That also happens to be haunted, very haunted. That also happens to be extremely haunted. Yeah. By ghost sex workers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, so I'm from the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, and like, um, not too far from where I grew up, there's one of the most haunted cemeteries in the country in Midlothian. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but I know that it's another one of those things that's been like on TV. Like, I don't know, it's it's just um, frightening stuff. Like when you're in close proximity to places like North Tower in uh, in Sandburg in the at UWM is uh, apparently haunted. Um, I used to live there. I can see it from my husband's window. Um, really? you know, I used to live in North Tower, so yeah, me too. I didn't know it was haunted, but I always felt like something weird there. Yeah, What's uh, the story? Are, you, are you in River West? I'm in um on the east side in the Cambridge Heights area. Oh, okay, all right. Um, the story is, um, from what I understand, uh, so there's like the mid floors in the North Tower, like I think it was like like 13 15 17 19 20 like i think i heard 20 was like the most haunted floor on in north tower um i lived on 24 um i never really sensed or experienced anything eerie but um but uh yeah i i remember they had a priest come up and bless the floor uh, my sophomore year like when I was out of the dorms like because apparently there was just so much like eerie things going on like doors opening and closing things disappearing um apparently like ghost sightings um like or people someone would just like appear like in the door and then just disappear like um I don't know if it's because like there's been deaths in the tower and like it's just like the spirits haunting them 
Um, that's my understanding from what I've heard. Yeah, any place that, you know, people have been staying over a long period of time, that's why there's so many haunted hotels. I always have dreams about the dorms. Like, for some reason in my dreams about the dorms, I've always, like, back up on the 20th floor, because I think I was on the 20th floor when I went to UWM. And, like, there's this huge, like, tidal wave or tsunami coming from, like, Michigan that's, like, subsuming the entire dorms. And it's like crashing over the dorms and I have to like try and climb to the top tower to like escape the tsunami. Yeah. So um, I don't know why I have that recurring dream about the dorms, but. Wow. <laughs> That's, uh, that sounds like uh, some 2012 shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so how often do you read? Um, every day, like I'm, I'm either reading for private clients or like a couple weeks ago, I taught at the Waukesha Public Library, a tarot for storytelling class. Cause you know, to like talk about like my double card reading, I was talking about earlier with the two other cards surrounding the devil and do writing exercises with people. Cause I majored in creative writing actually at UWM. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was doing that with the Waukesha Public Library. Um, and, or I'm reading for clients privately. I've got a lot of regular clients that I just like talk to. Um, or I'm just on the app reading for some of my regulars on the apps because I've got regulars on um, the apps that I, the app that I work for, Everclear. Um, I'm just getting started out on Keen. I just got my first review on that one. Cool. Yeah, it's only been like a couple weeks since I've been hired. So, um, but I'm, I'm always like reading every day. Unless I take a day off. Sure. Yeah. Um, does it get like, is it like an emotional thing for you? Like where it can be like exhausting to do? Yeah, for a while I took a break from mediumship. I just felt myself really overwhelmed. Um, and mediumship was really draining for a while. Cause like talking to the dead, it's draining. So I just took a break. Like I didn't read for people at all um, on mediumship or the dead for a couple weeks. And on Everclear, actually, they have a rule that um, you can't do mediumship on those who are alive or those who were known in life by the person that comes to you for the reading. So you can do like distant ancestral work on maybe like great, great grandma that somebody had never met, but you cannot speak to someone who the person knew in life. So I, f I found that very refreshing because um, reading, doing mediumship on a, a psychic hotline or a psychic app, um, you get a lot of murder mediumship, you get a lot of um, abuse cases, you get a lot of very traumatic deaths that people have trouble dealing with. Um, so I prefer to do that kind of work in my private practice where I'm in person with the person because, you know, I do still get those kind of traumatic deaths in my private practice, but I prefer to be in person for that. Um, or like, over a, a video, over Zoom, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's just, um, you know, just being over the phone can be really difficult with um, me and Chet. I, yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I just have to ask um, because I know it's controversial. So like, I know that the whole idea of psychics is very controversial to people. Um, like I've I watch a lot of John Oliver and like I've seen his special about like the famous psychics that have like TV shows and shit. Like, how do you kind of like? I guess to people that might be skeptical, um, like how would you say like how would you like distinguish between somebody who's like like you know true and like is really there to like you know do something like you're doing to like, like someone who's for real versus somebody who might be like. A charlatan? Yeah, yeah. Um, so watch out for, I know a couple of years ago, one of my clients came to me very upset because she went to Summerfest and there was a psychic there and she got a reading and the reading was really good. It was accurate. But at the end, the psychic told her, um, that she needed to pay $500 or something like that to have a purse removed. Um, the reader might have been a good reader, but she was unethical. 
you know, yeah, the reading was accurate, but my client was very upset and worried and was about to withdraw $500 from her account to get this purse off her. Um, psychics that, you know, work in that way are unethical, that work with a fear, um, kind of um, operational way. And they do give like the rest of us a bad name. Um, fiscal manipulation. It's called manipulation. You know what I mean? Yeah, fiscal manipulation where somebody's like, oh, you need to buy this curse removal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's a big one for me where oh. I draw the line. That, that would make sense. I, I think, um, yeah, that would go for like, anything you would do, like anything that, or anything where someone's looking for answers, you know, should never hold something like that over someone's head, like the financial. Right, right. like paying $500 to remove this purse. Yeah, fuck that's, that. That's unethical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I, you're making me get want to get red. I'm, <laughs> I am like, I don't know, it sounds really interesting. I'd be open to it because, I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of, like, personal exploration with stuff like this. So, like, it'd be cool to, you know, work with somebody who's, who's you know, tenured in the field. Aw, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, um, how can people uh, get involved or, like, contact you if they're interested in it? Um, so, I have a website. My, uh, my business name is rather long and convoluted because my anarchist friend and I came up with this like really poetic but kind of convoluted name for my business <laughs> back in the day. So it's Waxing Gibbous Tarot, which is based around like the moon, you know, and the moon is starting to get bigger and more folks I'm really drawn to the moon. So um, it's W-A-X-I-N-G-G-I-B-B-O-U-S-T-A-R-O-T um, dot com. So I have a website. Um, or you can contact me on my Facebook page, Waxing Gibbous Tarot, um, just search it. Um, so yeah, that's how you contact me. Awesome. Um, so I don't know if it's a misconception or not, but like, so can you just like read, like, you just get presences like everywhere you go? I know how to turn it on and off or I would go crazy. Um, you know. And part of the reason I'm on antidepressants and antipsychotics is because as a child, I could not control that. Um, so my psych meds actually helped me control it. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, it's like when you are, like when that is literally your line of work is like reading someone's, you know, spiritual expression. Yeah, I try, I try to stay as grounded as possible and in terms of a paranormal experience, I always look for the practical explanation first. So is there a gas leak? You know what I mean? Um, did, did you like, you know what I mean? Um, are, the, are the light bulbs working properly if they're flickering on and off? You know what I mean? I always look for a practical explanation first. Otherwise, you're just gonna go crazy and be like spiritual woo-woo all the time. And that's not where you want to be as a reader. You need to have like practical, um, you know, for example, I had this client that was struggling with brain fog and she felt it was metaphysical in nature. And I, you know, I did tell her to go to the doctor. Um, so she was suffering from post-concussion syndrome and it wasn't metaphysical at all. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, like I, I used to, experience like I used to dissociate a lot mm -hmm. uh, as a result of anxiety like anxiety that you know is gets so bad it causes you to go numb right so, like for a while like I thought that meant like oh I was I'm going insane or like I'm 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 morphing into another mental state that isn't the real me anymore but really it's just you know I just had a I had to peer deep into my problems and now it doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. So, you know, therapy and medication can really help with that kind of thing. And I am very pro-therapy, pro-medication, pro-psychiatry in my work. You know, 
if you yeah. think that your whole family is out to get you and um, you're paranoid all the time and you feel like people are spying on you, it's a mental health issue. Yeah, totally. Good, good food for thought. Uh, glad you, glad you made a made a point of that because you know there is a really important distinction there. Well, Emily, uh, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit about your practice, tarot reading, um, you know, medium stuff, and it's really really interesting. I'm I feel like I learned a lot this afternoon. Awesome! Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on. Or, or having you on or being on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No so as we close out, Emily, tell me what keeps you up at night. Um, what keeps me up at night? Well, my husband is essential. So I always worry late at night that he's going to um, come in contact with someone with coronavirus. That's legit, yeah. Um, what puts you to sleep? Um... Hoping for a different president. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, we're all kind of, uh, that's all sort of lingering right now, but mm -hmm. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, everybody. Look into uh, getting read, tarot reading. Sounds like cool stuff. I'll be posting a link to Emily's website here. Thank you, Emily, for being on the show. Thank you, Ben. We'll see you next time. <laughs>